You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made-in-America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> 
Welcome to the Houndsman XP Podcast. Are you going to be our one millionth download today? Could be. We are getting close to one million downloads. I am your host, Chris Powell, and I want to reach out and say thank you to all of you who have helped us get to this mile marker in Houndsman XP. We're rapidly approaching, possibly have already hit one million downloads, but here's the thing. If you have not gone to Houndsman XP podcast and guess the date for what day we're going to hit 1 million downloads, you are not going to be included in a drawing that has a lot of cool prizes in it. We laid it all out over there on Houndsman XP podcast group and the Houndsman XP podcast page. It's been on Instagram. So all you got to do is go and guess a date and follow the instructions on that post and you're going to be in the drawing if you get the date right so we're getting close folks i'm telling you it's it's right upon us so you need to get over there and participate in that in this episode of the podcast we are going to talk handguns a couple weeks ago we talked bullet selection with caleb barnett from underwood ammo and he joins us again to talk about handguns and handgun selection Caleb is a firearms trainer and instructor for Underwood, so that means he's training their staff. He also assists the public with shooting questions, different things like that. He has some great advice for you on how to select the proper handgun caliber, frame, size, model, all of that stuff that it, so that it fits you properly. As a law enforcement officer, I spent 30 years carrying a handgun every day, so things like weapons positioning, holster positioning, where I carried, uh, repetition, building that muscle memory on where to draw. I'm going to talk about holster placement and my thoughts on where you should be carrying and being consistent on carrying there. So I'm not going to let it all out of the bag, folks. The old South Dog Box is rocking. Check out our new website, which is up right now at houndsmanxp.com. You can check out all of our cool sponsors and uh, a lot of good stuff going on over there. We're going to be adding to it. And a big shout out to Lauren Branny, who is our marketing manager, for getting that thing up and rolling. So check that out. But right now, let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. All right, on this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, we've got we've got Caleb Barnett back in the house, and you heard Caleb a couple weeks ago or uh, on the podcast talking about bullet selection. And after the podcast, we started talking about where we carry a handgun, the functions of carrying a handgun, hand grips, all of these different things. And uh, we decided to record another podcast about about handguns. And so, if you want to check out any of the information we had about bullet selection how important it is to have the right bullet for the job that we're doing in the platform. Instead of getting hung up on calibers and things like that, uh, there are options out there, good options from Underwood Ammo and other ammo companies for the right bullet selection. And that's as important as picking the right caliber. Wouldn't you agree with that, Caleb? I definitely do. Yes, sir. Man, I appreciate you coming back on to do this episode. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. The, the last podcast I felt went really well. Uh, very honored to be on Underwood. We are excited to be on this podcast. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited. So thank you for having me again. Oh, man. 
Well, the last one was so good. I, w I couldn't wait to have you on again. So. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. We had a good chat about ammo and bullets and, and, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of technical talk there, but today I want to talk about, um, the, the individual shooter and you're a firearms trainer and instructor for Underwood ammo. And, uh, what does that job entail for you? So I, I, I wear many hats, but we'll focus on just that hat um, for the most part. Um, besides me dealing with sales and the dealers, is the the, the training that I do is um, when we hire new guys, what we call our loaders. Our loaders are the guys who will go back and manufacture the ammunition. They run the machinery. They have to go out and test fire their own ammo. They have to uh, record and logs about their their bullet data, uh, their powder charges, uh, what guns were used, what barrels. Uh, what's the velocities, what's the spread, all that fun stuff. So what I would do with those guys before they even get started on that is we go over the fundamentals of firearms, regardless if it's a semi-automatic, regardless if it's a, um, a single-action only uh, pistol, which is like a 1911 style, mm -hmm. or if we're talking about revolvers, or we're talking about lever actions, or AR platform rifles, or bolt action rifles. So right. we, I go through all those things with them. I try not to insult grown men and sometimes ladies intelligence by by going through this stuff but you never could be too safe when it comes to carrying firearms shooting firearms and manipulating and handling firearms uh, the worst thing ever is to say i thought the gun was clear that's the worst right. thing you could say because that means that's falling after something catastrophic could have happened so uh there's no such thing as too safe for the firearm uh but then also just understanding how they work the functionalities of them uh and the benefits of them so that's what I do. I also do training on our ammunition. We run a lot of new ammo uh, really every single month. One, one time, we ran probably 30 different new projectiles and probably four different calibers. And I'm like, good Lord, how many more can we test? <laughs> so I'm shooting those in gelatin. I'm shooting them through denim, uh, shooting them at steel targets. Uh, eventually, I want to do some cool things where we're shooting them even through old cars and things like that to see how the projectiles perform through sheet metal or windshields and stuff like that. So we got a lot of cool things coming down the pipe that I got some ideas for that we're going to do just to show you how accurate and then also how um, how good our projectiles are and why you should carry Underwood ammo at the end of the day. <laughs> there you go. There yep. you go. Well, let's talk about uh, let's start let's start out by talking about and and you you travel around you talk to gun manufacturers you talk to law enforcement officials you talk to the, the top top trainers in the industry as well i know you guys are sharing ideas so so that's why i wanted to have you come on and i, I really want to talk about um you know choosing the right firearm for the individual shooter and you talked about men versus women and salt intelligence and and the, the old rule of thumb is it's easier to to teach a woman to shoot yes. than it is to teach a man because we bring our ego with it. Oh, you yeah. know, you know, I am not a big man. I'm five ten. My hands are medium size at best. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me to think that I can grab a 500 Smith and Wesson and shoot it single handed and be effective and efficient with it is a freaking pipe dream. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. And, yeah. uh, that I don't even have to go as high as 500, you know, mm -hmm. um, with, with my previous experience in training, I'm natural to go to both hands and shoot two handed. I'm not, I'm not, I j that's the way I've been trained. Yeah. Um, so 
let's start out by talking about the importance of choosing the right hand. And, and let me preface this. We are talking about handgun selection as a carry in a hunting situation here that uh, we laid this out in the last podcast, but very few people go into a hunting situation thinking this is my primary firearm. You know, usually there is a rifle in your hunting party or somebody in your group is carrying a hunting uh, a rifle on this hunt. We're talking about I'm carrying this handgun for that emergency break the glass moment. I've got to save myself. I've got to save my client if I'm an outfitter and um, I've got I've or I'm trying to save one of my hounds and I've got to do that efficiently and effectively. So that's that preface. So let's just talk about handgun selection and how important it is to pair them up to the individual shooter. Yeah, um, definitely. So um, the, the one thing that you mentioned that is very true that uh, I even learned this in two different ways, and I'll share both of them, is I used to work as a store manager for the largest uh, farm and fleet type of stores that there are in America. We, we, we had the largest. We sold actually the second most firearms in the world, in the United States. I would say the world, but United States. And um, I loved it. And we had a training on zero-turn lawnmowers. And you'll be like, what the heck does that have to do with shooting? <laughs> so I will explain. I'm interested. Yeah, so we did it on zero turns. And I'm listening to this presentation, and I love zero turns, and I love a really good lawnmower. I really do. Uh, and so, like, I'm really intrigued. And this, this salesman from this company, he says, women ride zero turns better than men. And I'm like, what? Like, no, I'm offended. I'm a man. What do you mean women ride on there? <laughs> like, I've been, I know how to drive a zero turn with the best of them. What are you talking about? And so I, he says, you guys are probably wondering, because there's a mixed group. There's men and women in a group. And he says, you guys are probably wondering why I say that. And, you know, you think I'm picking on us men. And I said, well, I raised my hand. I said, yeah, why, why would you say that? And he says, women are not afraid to ask questions. Men are. And I said, wow. And he said, men, women will come to me and say, hey, I don't know how to drive this. How do you turn it on? How do you lower your blade? How do you do this on this type of incline? And it's the same way with guns. Women will ask questions all day long that are uh, pertinent to, to firearm safety, shooting, and are cognizant of it. And I always said this, and I always believed it as I start doing some trainings with women and men, that women seem like they have a better balance. So they <laughs> up a little easier they're, they're a little bit more dead center so men be careful about upsetting your wives at home okay you know you know there's scientific scientific data that shows that they can think out of both sides of their brain at one time right I, i'm not surprised yeah I'm men surprised. can men only think out of one side of their brain at a time but there's actually scientific studies out there that show that man they can cross that you hemorrhage, you know, both of the lobes there and connect them. That's why they're always ahead of us in arguments and everything else. And that's why they're, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's why they outlive us too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the second thing is, you know, it's just teaching people how to shoot. And, um, I talked to this, this instructor one time, she, she started shooting. And I asked her, she actually worked for, um, a, a big rifle association without saying their name. And I was talking to her and I said, well, what do you shoot in your competitions? And she was telling me what she shot. And they were full-size guns, nine millimeters. And I said, well, why are you shooting full-size? I mean, what, what, you know, and what got you into it? She said, well, what got me into it was um, she had a, a, a bad experience where somebody broke into her home. And she never shot a gun until like five years previous to this conversation. But now she's a, a champion shooter and doing three. A world-class shooter. Yeah. I mean, and I'm yeah. like, what? Bro, you just started. 
And she says the worst thing people can do, and she said men does this the worst, is that they think that you should put a small gun in a female's hand and say, hey, go be accurate with this and shoot this uh, relatively um, relatively well. And instead of putting a full-size gun in her hand and showing them how to manipulate it and shoot it safely and pull from the holster, they just think, oh, well, put it in your purse and you'll be okay. And when the bad guy comes, then that's when you shoot or whatnot. And they're like, no, that's actually counterintuitive of production for women in shooting. So uh, it opened my eyes to a whole new thing. And I have seen that with men and women, it's best to train on full-size firearms, regardless if that's a wheel gun or if that's a semi-auto or if that's a, a single action only, whatever it might be, that that's very important as well uh, for shooting, being accurate, and being cognizant of what you're doing. Um, one guy told me one time, and, and he was 100% spot on, he said, all these people go out and buy all these guns. They put all these extra just um, attachments on them and do right. all this with them. But they're not training. They're not shooting, and they're not they're not training sufficiently. They shoot this gun on Monday, this gun on Tuesday, another one on Wednesday, and then they'll carry the one that they shot on Monday every day of the week. But they only shot it once or twice. How can you be accurate? How can you be proficient? How do you know what you're doing? So it's all about training and muscle memory and reputation and repetitions. So uh, I would love to get into this conversation with you. So I'll let you lead the way. I don't want to talk too long. Oh no, you're not not at all. <laughs> um. Yeah, so so a lot of times I'll just give you my own story. When you go to a boot camp in the Marine Corps and you go to the firing range, you know, you think you're going to show up at the firing range and you're going to shoot thousands and thousands of rounds. And you do end up doing that. But before that, they have this thing called grass week where you do nothing but dry fire your weapon at a target and you just – one shot and one squeeze of the trigger, re recharge the, the firearm, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire. And that's to get you used to the mechanics, how the rifle handles, keeping your sight picture, sights aligned, full sight picture, follow through, all of that sort of stuff. And, and then when I was in law enforcement, when we switched from wheel guns, well, when I first started shooting a wheel gun, same thing, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire. And that was because almost every shot we take with a, a, a handgun, the old revolver, was always double action for law enforcement. You know, we didn't, we didn't thumb cock that pistol. And, and in, in that situation, when that firearm came out of the holster, it was in double action. <laughs> yes. we, were, we weren't thumb cocking pistols. Same thing. You see it at Hollywood has yeah. screwed so many things up. Yeah. They, yeah. Everything from charging your pistol when you throw it, pull it yeah. out of the holster to thumb cocking the hammer on a semi-auto. It doesn't, it doesn't freaking happen, you know? So the reason I talk about dry firing is I'm talking about thousands of repetitions to understand that trigger pull and being able to pull through keep your sights on target, and hit what you're shooting at. So um, when we're talking about firearm selection, and I'll talk to the men first, um, I would much mm -hmm. rather see somebody be proficient with a smaller caliber handgun loaded with the right bullet yeah. than somebody who, th you know, who, is, yep. <laughs> who has decided that I want a four fifty four and only and only shot it 10 times. And that's kind of where I'm coming from, from the shooting side of it, is choosing that right firearm 
to do the job you need to do without letting your ego get in the way and your buddies whispering in your ear that you're, you know, your caliber, that's not the right caliber to shoot. What's your experience yeah. with that? So, uh, very, very good points on that. Uh, the biggest thing that I, I, I will say that we, that I have seen is, and I tell guys this all the time, uh, I have nothing to prove. And, and, and I always tell guys that, and they, we laugh about it and joke. And I always do that though, to lighten the mood to let them know you have nothing to prove either. So just because you can afford a 500 Smith and Wesson and you want to go get it just to say, look at what I got. Guess what? You, you, you have a firearm that you can't shoot. Uh, competently with and you're not accurate with and now if something bad happens tragically god forbid guess what you 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 are an idiot with a gun that you can't shoot or manipulate yeah so you, I was, you might as well use it as a club that's exactly right get a bat then <laughs> so yeah. uh i always tell guys uh get what you can get and shoot it confidently shoot it properly so i tell you a story about me my brother was a, a former Marine, um, went in during Desert Storm, Desert Shield, my oldest brother, and we have a huge age gap. And there were some in the middle of us and whatnot, but I always looked up to him. You know, I was a criminal justice major in college. He was a state trooper. I thought I was going to be a state trooper as well. I wanted to be a state police officer as well. And uh, he had, on the patrol at the time, and this is in the early 2000s, so I'm a teenager at this time, so it was like 2005. I'm 15 years old in 2005, and I go out there. I stay with him. I get to, uh, I can't wait till I'm 18 years old and get to ride in his patrol car with him because at that time you had to be 18 years old or older to be able to ride on patrol with uh, that that loved one that you have if you're a brother or a sister or a mother or whatever, a father to that person. So, you know, I couldn't wait to do this. So I thought, man, show me how you guys go to the range, right? Mm -hmm. So we go to the range, and I'm like, and you know, I'm I've hunted, I've hunted, I squirrel hunted. And I started deer hunting. So deer hunting in Illinois, we have to shoot shotguns. Uh, next year, we can shoot rifles. So I'm shooting 12 gauges at this point. We're not going to handle the recoil pretty well. And I'm shooting 22 rifle at squirrels. And I can handle that perfectly fine. No recoil. So we go. And he says, hey, I'm gonna we're going to shoot my patrol gun. And we're going to shoot my backup pistol that I, I, per I recently purchased. So I'm like, cool, let's go. I said, what are we shooting? He says, a Glock 21 for my patrol gun. I'm like, okay, whatever a Glock 21 is at 15 years old, is like, it's a Glock, so I get to shoot it. That's right. I said, what's your, I said, what's your backup gun? He says, a Glock 27. Well, a Glock, tw a Glock 21 is a full size, as we know, 45 ACP. A Glock 27 is a, is a, is a subcompact 40 Smith & Wesson. So we're at the range, and um, he, he says, okay, I'm going to teach you gun fundamentals. And so we're doing gun fundamentals. And, you know, a few times I have this firearm in my hand and I turn around. He says, if you turn back around at me, I'm going to treat you like we're in the Marines. Don't you turn around with and look at me with a firearm. So I'm like, OK, OK, OK. So now I'm ready to shoot. I'm feeling good about myself. And he's like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you are you good? And I was like, yes, I got this. First bang go off. I said, oh, my God, I don't want to do this again. So I, I, I have to, like, get my wits together and say, look, man, I, I never really shot a whole lot of pistols. He said, well, you told me, you, you know, you're hunting, you're feeling good about yourself. I said, well, you got to show me. And I learned a valuable lesson during that. The valuable lesson that I learned was uh, stop trying to prove yourself to people until you're confident. Uh, prove yourself to yourself. Don't worry about what others think. Don't try to prove anything. And at 15 years old, I learned a valuable lesson. Like, be who you are. Shoot what you can shoot comfortably. Just because the next man can do tight groupings on a 454 Casul don't mean that you the average or the new shooter is going to go get that 454 Casul and shoot the same type of groupings, double action only. So I learned that. And then I learned 
you got to be able to shoot things that you are feeling comfortable with. You got to be comfortable. And so uh, I got into guns after that and I started studying and watching all these YouTube videos. And then when I got of age and could buy legally firearms, I start buying guns and training with those guns and shooting them. And now my collection, I don't want to say how many numbers I have, but I have a huge collection now. Right. And I shoot all the time. And I shoot a wide range of that. And well, you work at an ammo company too, so that helps. And I'm very blessed. <laughs> I'm very blessed to work for a great ammunition company. So yeah. when they say, do you want to go test these am this you ammo? Bet. I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. So, uh, But with that being said, um, it's all about being confident and comfortable and making sense of what you're doing. Just because mm -hmm. you're 16 and have a driver's license don't mean you need to go buy a Lamborghini. You know, you, you need to learn how point. to drive first, you know, and that's that's how it is in the gun industry. Good point, man. That That's exactly right. You know, my son has shot thousands of rounds. He, he's hunted by himself uh, for years now. He's 21 years old. He's been hunting for as long as uh, he's been hunting with me since he could walk. And, um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience shooting handguns. And took him out to shoot a 44 for the first time when he was 21 years old. He had never shot a 44 Magnum. You know, the first shot, he didn't even keep it on yeah. the target. And the, the second shot. So there is a process to learning how to do that. And and everything that I'm going to talk about or will talk about or, uh, you know, you'll talk about your thing, but I'm going to refer to the process of the shooting and getting in those habits. And I'll give you an example. I just switched to uh, carrying a chest chest rig holster. For 30 years, I carried a handgun on my hip. And this is how slow the brain is to adjust. For 30 years, I've practiced pulling that handgun off the hip. I even, even after I retired from law enforcement, I continued to carry in a, in a right hip placement, even under a jacket or whatever, because I knew where it was at. My hand knew where it was. I didn't have to think about where my pistol was at. And, and I bring this up to, to talk about how our brains work when it comes to stressful situations. We go to what's called gross motor skills, and we go with the thing that's most familiar to us and most ingrained in our brains. So the importance, getting, back, getting this back to the handguns, we'll talk about holster placement here in a few minutes, is when you have shot that same handgun over and over and over, you become familiar with it. It's not a new adventure every time you pull it out. Correct. Correct. And, and another thing that you talked about, even from just pulling the holster, and I should have mentioned it earlier, was the the opportunity to dry fire. A lot of people don't understand um, the importance of dry firing. Now, some gun manufacturers say don't dry fire guns or you need to get a rubber O-ring or snap caps. Right. So make sure right. you do read your owner's manual, people out there, before you start dry firing. But most, most firearms, you could dry fire without any issues. And dry firing is very important because it teaches you that muscle memory as we're talking about. Pulling it out of your holster, pointing at your target and whatever you're shooting at, getting your sight aligned and your sight picture. And it's going to be slow right away. And that's fine. Everybody's not – you're not going to be John Wick on day one, okay? You're, you're not. You're not. You're not <laughs> that, those, that's John – that's a whole different ballgame. 
you have to get that muscle memory and that 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 point of comfortability in your mind and in your head, uh, where every time you pull that fire from your holster and you, you get your target aligned and you get your sight picture aligned, then you pull that trigger and you dry fire and you dry fire, and then eventually you start working your way. Where if you got a semi-automatic, that's fine because what you'll start doing is you'll rack the slide while your fingers on a trigger, getting used to the reset. What we call resetting that trigger. That trigger pops back out for yes. that reset. You know where it's at. You have that little bit of take up. You know where your wall is at, what we call the wall. And then you break through that wall when you pull that trigger all the way through. And then that fi that, that firearm will release that projectile. That's what it's all about is that muscle memory, getting used to that, knowing where your trigger is at, knowing where your reset is at. Everybody wants to go get a three-pound trigger but don't understand how to manipulate a four-and-a-half or a five-pound trigger before they get the three-and-a-half-pound trigger and just, just, just to look cool. You know, looking cool is not fun when you're in a life or de death situation. These things are tools, and they're not to be played with. They are about safety, learning your safety, learning about what you can and cannot do with them, but also being competent in what that firearm will do. So um, that's the biggest thing is just that muscle memory, that training, pulling from the holster, and where you're going to carry at. You know, where I carry at and where I'm comfortable carrying at, it's completely different from my next, my next fellow Second Amendment enthusiast. You know, my brother, for example... He loves carrying in the small part of his back. I hate carrying it like that. Mm -hmm. I absolutely don't like it. Now, if you like it, that's fine. That's, that, that, I'm not knocking it. I like to carry on the side of my my, my strong dominant hand uh, on the side of my hip because that's just where I started from day one, and I'm not going to change it up right now because uh, that's where I'm comfortable at. Now, if you're a test rig guy, mm -hmm. if you're an ankle holster guy, wherever you carry at, make sure you're competent and comfortable in doing that where you can pull quickly and be able to be able to use that tool in a way that is designed to be used if you ever have to, or just for target practice, or just for uh, competition, if you ever got into competition. Uh, just be knowing that you, you carry in where you know that it's comfortable for you to carry at. You know, some guys, they see the stuff on TV, as you talked about, how TV and movies have ruined it for people. You know, guys are have a prop or improper grip angles and proper improper grip techniques because what they've seen on a TV show or a movie or what they think a gun will do that it does not do and then not the opposite what a gun will do what they didn't think it could do and those are, those are very right. dangerous um, so understanding those things and knowing what you're doing and carrying and where you're carrying it at uh, is very important hey folks I want to talk to you about an important piece of gear that you need. Check out Cajun hunting lights. I don't care if you're a coon hunter in the east, a big game hunter in the west, or a leopard hunter in South Africa. Having a light that is functional is important to running these hounds. I particularly like the micro gator hunting headlight when I'm bear hunting. It's small, it's lightweight, it's compact, and it's highly functional. Bright white lights red lights green lights it's all in that one small package but i just keep it on a cap early in the mornings looking inspecting tracks things like that i'm not uh, getting a little handheld flashlight out there it's on my head when i'm looking at something the light's shining on it it's awesome and then of course you get into their high performance end with the rogaroo and their intermediate light they're all highly functional and the thing about Cajun lights is the customer service. It's a high quality light and LW is going to take care of you on the customer service. He just opened up a new store front in Tyner, 
North Carolina. You should stop in and check it out. It'd be a great place to hang out, swap a few stories, and uh, pick up a new light from Cajun Lights. You'll find them at CajunLights.com. Let's talk about, um, you know, grip size and things like that for the individual shooter. When, when you're selecting a handgun, and we're, we're talking about, you know, hunting application here for the ma- most part, uh, grip size for a pistol, how do I match if I'm walking into a store, I'm wanting, you know, maybe I've ne- I've, I'm very limited on my handgun experience, what are your recommendations for someone selecting the proper grip size? It, that's an awesome question. That's an awesome question. So the market today, gun market, everybody's trying to find out how you can make the new subcompact pistol with the most rounds. I'm going to tell you right now, leave it alone mm-hmm. if you're a novice, if you're a new user, a new shooter, because that's not really for you. That is a backup that I call my backup gun. Uh, that's a gun that I'm going to use if my primary weapon is down or I've exhausted every cause in that primary weapon and now I need to go to that or I'm wearing shorts and that's all I can carry on my body at that point. Uh, so I always tell people, get you a full-size gun that you feel comfortable with. Ask, ask, the, ask, the, ask the guy at the gun counter. Now, certain states, let me put this out there first, are little not as free as other states. I get that. And I know one state in particular, you have to get a permit before you even can touch a gun behind a gun counter. So states that are not like that, ask that gun counter uh, employee or wherever you're at buying that gun. Hey, can I see that gun? Can I use it? Another thing I always tell people to do, and and I really, really advise this, I really advise this, is to go to your local gun range. Most gun ranges let you rent guns. Rent two to three guns. Don't get too many because now you're going to confuse yourself and get too wide. Just, Just research the guns, put them in your hands, see what feels good. Say, hey, can I rent this gun and that gun? Go to the range and shoot. See how you're doing just just from that aspect. You know, be safe, shoot, see how that's mm-hmm. doing in your hand, and then go from there making decisions. Uh, don't just go to the gun store and say, hey, I want to buy this gun just because you've seen, um, I, I'm going to refer to John Wick again, you've seen John Wick shoot that gun. Well, you, you don't know the first thing about the right. gun. You don't know how it fits in your hand. You don't know how you're going to hold it. Uh, grip angle, grip placement is very important. Uh, back at, you, you'll see, <laughs> there's funny, I, I will see magazines. And I will see people doing what we call the teacup grip. And I laugh because I'm like, man, I can't believe people used to do that. And that used to be told to, to a lot of people with smaller hands and actually female shooters is to take that 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 un, that non-dominant hand, put it as like a, 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 a wrap around your dominant hand and teacup hold that gun like it's a teacup. And we have found out in studies and, and testing that that is not a very accurate um shooting act that you can do with that type of grip angle some people uh, will, will do the wrap around the other hand and that's been a very popular one forever uh but but we're finding out now especially in the semi-auto world you can't do this with a revolver because of the cylinder is the whole entire thumbs forward approach and when i say that it's to demonstrate right. that without having a gun in my hand and being on camera showing it but 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 what it is is uh get the highest grip what we call grip purchase on a firearm get your highest part of purchase you can get on that firearm so get all the way in there on that firearm with your dominant hand and take that non-dominant hand and put that thumb up as high as you can uh up to that slide if you have to 
and, and put those thumbs forward and it helps you with controlling muzzle rise. It helps with controlling your accuracy. It helps control uh, staying on target and getting your target acquisition. Now you're just focused on sight alignment and where do I need to go next? Where do I need to go next? And you're able to shoot faster that yeah. way, actually. And that has been proven mm -hmm. now to work very well. Now, revolvers, you can't really do that because of the cylinder, like I said. But there's the other ways you could do even on revolvers that hold really tight and really firm. Uh, I think it's funny you're talking about how you was on duty. You guys used to shoot double action only. Um, and people will get a revolver and they want to go practice single action only. Well, most studies shows right. and proves if you're talking about revolvers, if you, for, for whatever reason, God forbid, you're in a, a, a situation where you have to use that firearm for self-defense, you're not going to be having time to pull back that hammer six times. You're going to have to shoot double action and get used to that 10-pound trigger pull or that 9-pound trigger pull and knowing where you're hitting that. So it is very important if you're carrying right. a revolver that you are manipulating that trigger every single day so you get used to where you're at on there. Because I had this problem. I like to shoot fast. I also have revolvers. On a revolver... There's no such thing as really a reset. That trigger almost pops all the way back out on double action. And I'm just trying mm -hmm. to pull the trigger like, come on, let's go, let's go. And then I start realizing I'm not even giving this revolver time to reset. So I have to give it time to reset and get back to the cylinder where it needs to be so I can shoot that next round. And that was a me issue from training with uh, what I call race guns in the, the semi-auto world. The guns are fast and you get to shoot fast with a lighter trigger. But that's when you work up to that. So I had to retrain my mind again, you know, so to speak. So uh, those are very important and vital as far as in handling firearms, your grip angle and, and things like that. Um, finding a gun that's comfortable for you. That's 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 point number one. That's that's right. I mean, it, finding that gun and I'll talk about that subcompact deal. So I carried a full-size SIG P220 mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. years. And um, when I retired, then I was looking for a, a more compact semi-auto to start carrying. Or, or it, Actually, it came before I retired. I, I started carrying, looking for a handgun. Mm -hmm. It was easier to conceal a few years earlier than, than my, when I retired. So I went to the Glock 43. A small nine millimeter handgun. Yes. And the first thing is, yep. man, that dude <laughs> operates a lot different. Grips different. Everything's different. I could not hit a yes. barn if I was standing inside of it with it. Yep. And I mean, I had shot, I had shot and shot and shot for years. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I had to find out that the grips are different. You got to grip it. And that's, yes. that is the, that is the problem with trying to switch to a lot of different firearms. So breaking this thing down, you know, just straight up advice for people. Um, my advice is like you said, find that firearm that's comfortable to you. And maybe, maybe they know somebody like you, Caleb, yes. that has a, a good, um, a collection of guns that they can they can come over yes. and they can handle them. They can <laughs> yes. see what feels comfortable. Maybe yeah. take a few rounds. Yes, it is. Volunteering to help clean. Yes. That's important. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's an important aspect. Don't think you're going to show up and blow up ammo and then run away. You're you're saying to clean. Uh, maybe if you buy the ammo and and say hey. You know, send me a list of things yes. that I can shoot, but go find somebody and find that gun that's that. And then once you find it, master it. Don't worry about yeah. 
having a handgun to carry for this and you know i'm, I'm going here to 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 hunt this so yes. just find that one handgun that you're 100 and honestly i was out every time i, I, was get thousands of you. Thousands I of rounds was trained under the belt with that on glocks that's what i was trained on and so i was like man now i feel good i want to go buy other guns so I, like i'm buying sig 226s and yeah. things like that and i'm like Okay, I'm, I'm, my accuracy is not where it was with the Glock 17. What What is going on? Well, I got to realize there's a thing called bore axis. So my bore axis on a SIG is night and day different than it is on the Glock. And then, like, HK, my bore axis is completely different on that than it is a SIG. And so bore axis, great question. So your bore axis is from the top of that firearm basically to the part where your, your hand What's is going a bore underneath uh, where that hammer is at. Or if it's a striker fire and it doesn't have a hammer, right where that, that, that firing pin area is at on the back side of that gun. So where you take that meat of that web of your dominant hand and put it up against that gun, uh, the lower the bore axis, a lot of times people will tell you, the, lo the lower it is, so the, the, the shorter it is from the top of that gun to where your hand is at, uh, it's easier to control muzzle flip. So... Uh, and then when you're talking about um, shooting something with a high bore axis, there's no problem with that if that's what you're used to and you're mm -hmm. trained on. It's completely different hold and a different, completely different angle. So I'll tell you. You say, well, what do you mean by hold? We have what we call like a 12 o'clock hold. We have what we call 6 o'clock hold. And you're like, what does that mean? So if you look at the hand on the clock, uh, you see a 12 o'clock. And that means that my, my side alignment is, is higher. I'm, I'm aiming higher to get right where I want to get. If I'm putting it on an X on a piece of paper, I'm hiring. I'm, 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 my sight acquisition is higher because that that's where that mm -hmm. gun likes that hold to be at. So I could be dead on on that paper. If some guns have a very very low bore axis and I got to do a six o'clock hold, that means I'm a little bit under that X, but mm -hmm. I'm hitting dead center when I shoot it because it likes the hold to be a little lower. So it just depends on where you're at, what you're shooting. Uh, but as you said, get one gun. The keyword is one. You're comfortable with, train, shoot, repeat. Train, shoot, and repeat. Because what you're going to do is you get muscle memory and you're used to that gun and now you're competent with that gun. And don't worry about all the new guns and gadgets that are coming out and what's this and what's that. Focus on that gun. Focus on that trigger. Focus on that reset. Know where it's at. Uh, I, I tell you, I, there's guys, and it drives me crazy. I could go to a gun range, and I see my brother had this problem. I would go with him, and he'll, he'll bring two 1911s, uh, two Glocks, uh, HK, uh, a SIG, or whatever it might be. I mean, all different type of grip angles. And you'll notice if you start shooting with one and then you go to the next, your accuracy is, you know, mm -hmm. erratic. And you'll be like, well, I shoot both. I shoot these guns accurate. You know, if I take the one out on Monday, I shoot it very well. And I shoot the other one on Tuesday, I shoot it very well. Exactly. You have to retrain your body and your muscle and where am I shooting that, where am I holding that, and there's no point because now it was a wasted uh, training uh, session. So I tell people, if you're going to go out and find that right gun for you, don't don't go get four, five, six different guns. Get one to two guns that are very similar. Profiles. When I talk about profiles, I talk about grip angles and things like that. Shoot those two. See which ones out of those two you like. If you like them both, see which one you like the most or shoot the best with starting out. And then practice with that thing. Buy it then. Practice, 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 practice. Uh, because you can't practice too much with a gun, ever. I, I, I'm, I'm outside of that belief. I believe you... Uh, if you're going to wear that gun out, then you've done, you've done your job. And I don't believe there's too many guns that, <laughs> that's manufactured that you're going to wear out. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll tell you, that's why law enforcement, you talked about finding similar platforms. That's why your brother had, um, two Glocks, you know, he had, he had the bigger bore Glock and he had the smaller functionalities, the same on both of them. Uh, you know, the way the firearm 
operates for for any blockages or clearing the firearms immediate action drills they're the same so you're gonna you're gonna go through the same motions you don't have to retrain have you ever heard the the term of the OODA loop I have not what is that yeah, OODA loop is a process that your brain goes through. Uh, it's called observe. It stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. Mm. So you obs- you observe something, you orient yourself to the situation, you decide what you're going to do, and then you're going to act in that what your action is going to be. So your brain does this every time. If you walk into a new room, you look around, you're observing. You're orienting yourself to the room. You decide whether you're going to sit down. If you decide you're going to sit down, you act on it. Uh, If you're in a gunfight, you're doing the same thing. If you're in a hunting situation and you walk into a, a, a bay up with a bunch of hounds, you've got a, your brain is doing that without you not even knowing. It was developed through fighter pilots, but it, to become a big um, acronym within the tactical shooting world is that OODA loop. And every time you pick up a different platform, you've got to go through that again and again and again and again. Actually, your brain does it several times, huh. even between shots. We're, tra- we're training the brains to do that. That makes sense. Uh, that's way off base. No, that's way sense. off base. But uh, Because, you know, honestly, with that being said, before you jump to the next one is uh, a lot of times your first shot at times could be off, but then when you start getting that motion, if you have a 17 round mag or whatnot, it might be round two, round three, round four, you're getting better and better and better as you go because of that. I never thought about that. So great, great point. I never I'll tell you that. what also, also happens. You pull the trigger and what you thought was going to happen. Didn't happen. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm shooting at this bear bear. I'm shooting at this hog. I'm shooting at whatever. And I just missed or I hit him and I didn't get the reaction that I thought I would. So now what do I do? Have I practiced a follow-up shot? Have I practiced, you know, uh, once the shot is made, what are my actions after that? Those are all things. Those are what good shooters, the highest level of shooters train for, you know, you, sh- you get sight alignment, sight picture, you, you pull the trigger, boom, you need a follow-up shot. It's natural for them. They're just flowing right into it. They don't have to stop and think. It's like, okay, that didn't do it. Let's do it again. Do it again. Do it wow. again. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I want to talk about some real easy tips for people um, as far as as far as handguns go when we're training. And um, dr- we talked about dry firing, and and personally, I like to. I personally like to go through the whole sequence. Draw, grip, target acquisition, squeeze, follow through, and then reassess the situation. Okay? I like to do that every time. But I want to get into the real basic stuff where, uh, like when I, when I first started in law enforcement, one of the things they told us to do was to take our handguns and to home in the evenings and put a dime on top of the uh, the top of the barrel there, or we even did it with semi-autos. But rest that dime on top and practice that follow through or that 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 sight picture, trigger pull and follow through without letting the dime slide off. Have you ever heard of that? I have not actually. Is that basically showing if you're jerking the what we call jerking the trigger or or pulling on the trigger? Yeah. Is, that, is that what that's doing? Okay. Yep. Yep. Yep, it keeps that dime balanced right there behind the front sight. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Just in front of the front sight, you just rest a dime right there, and and you just practice your sight picture and your trigger pull, and it, it helps you develop those muscle memories and also being able to pull off an accurate shot without the dime moving. That way you know in your mind you're seeing the target, you're going all the way through it, the dime didn't fall off, I'm still on target, hold it there and do it again. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I, I never have. And actually, I'm going to actually incorporate that in my personal training um, because, um, you know, I, I'm the type of guy, I shoot certain platforms better than the other. And so mm-hmm. it would actually get me to shoot some of the platforms I don't shoot as well as the other ones um, to get where I need to get. I know uh, my, my brother used to do this thing where he would kind of, it would be embarrassing if you got caught doing it. What he would do is, uh, let's say the mag- <laughs> let's say the magazine holds um, 15, and he says, "Hey, I, I only put four in there," and you're like, "Okay, so now you're you're focusing on four rounds to go off," or he'll say, "Hey, I loaded that magazine and it's already in the gun. Go ahead and shoot it." And, yeah, buddy. And I you know do where it, you're going. and there's nothing that goes bang, right? But, yep. but when you pull the trigger, you, the gun goes down, or 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 your your arm moves a little awkwardly, and you're like you're flinching. Oh shoot! Now I'm a bear. I'm a bear because I flinched. <laughs> Yeah, and everybody's seen me now, so now I'm really embarrassed. So, you know, I, I was shooting one time <laughs> with this guy at work, and uh, we were shooting 500 Smith and Wesson, and and oh. uh, the primer, the primer was 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 messed up in this round, and it was it was upside down. It wasn't one that we were selling or anything like that, but we were out testing, and I thought, well, maybe the primer will go off, it might not. So it was in there a little weird, and it didn't go off. And and it's the gun goes like halfway down, and I just start laughing so hard. He says, "You did not see that gun flinch, and that's our secret forever." <laughs> <laughs> until now, until the Houndsman until XP now. podcast. Sorry, Bill. We yeah, know definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I will try the dime. Actually, I never thought about that. So uh, ball and dummy round, though. I mean, ball and dummy uh, drills are great. Yes, like you just it talked is. about. It is. And actually, um, one thing we used to do, I used to work in the Department of Corrections. Um, when we had to qualify for pistol, uh, one of the one of the um, departments in our department was called transportation. And it was the transportation department where it literally did what it said. It transport inmates from point A to point B. And so they had to carry firearms on the body. Now, the Department of Corrections, you're not carrying pistols inside on your on your person. Right. In, mm-hmm. in these in these uh, cell blocks or anything like that. So, uh, you know, once to qualify for transportation, you had to do a different type of testing than to than your original test. So, uh, we at the time we were shooting uh, Sig two two nine and those double action only. So we're talking uh, eight and a half to nine pound trigger pull. So people who even shot this remotely okay were having a hard time with it at times. And I'll never forget this one lady. She was really struggling and she was like, I shoot. I don't understand this. What the heck is going on? I'm frustrated. And then she thought we were basically insulting her intelligence by saying, Hey, look, we're going to have you just sit in a room and you're going to dry fire for the next four days straight. That's all you're going to do. You're going to literally get paid to sit in a room, pull it out, get your, get your, get your sight picture. And you're just going to pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And by day two, she's like, this is this crazy. I don't understand why I'm doing this. This is ludicrous. And then when I start explaining to her, like, listen, this is all about muscle memory, getting your your body set and trained to that trigger, the long trigger pull, where you're not anticipating that recoil. You're you're more so allowing it to be a surprise 
then you start seeing, oh, okay, now I got it. Now I see it. And then when the actual boom happens, it's not nothing that's going to throw you off because we're used to it now. We're used to where that trigger's going to go off at. So now we anticipate where we're going to be at. Uh, dry firing, uh, and there's new uh, technology out there because dry firing now, even though me being born in the 90s, I'm kind of a boomer, I guess, because I just like to dry fire. Now they have this new technology out. It's called Mantis and all these other technologies where you put this thing on your gun and it hooks up to your smartphone and you, yeah. can, you can shoot and they'll tell you if you got too much finger, too little finger, if you flipped your wrist too early, if you broke your wrist too late. I mean, it tells you all of that kind of stuff, which is great training applications. It's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it does work. I've seen it work for people. And it's really good because you can use dummy rounds, as you mentioned, and you know mm -hmm. exactly where you're at. You know where you're hitting at, and you'll see a target uh, digitally of where you're supposed to be at, or you have a paper target where you're shooting it at, and it will show you where you were hitting at on there. And it actually does a good job of because ammunition is not, you know, this ain't 2019 anymore. Ammo's not cheap, right. <laughs> you know, right. so right. it saves on your ammo cost definitely. And then when you go to the range, you're proficient with that firearm. In celebration of 1 million downloads at Houndsman XP Podcast, we're teaming up with Dogs Are Treed to bring you this special offer. So here's how it's going to work. You're going to go shop for all that high-quality gear over at Dogs Are Treed. And when you go in there and you purchase a tie-out, dogs are hydrated, paws are protected, any of that high-quality gear like a first-aid kit for you and your hounds, you put that in your cart. Use the promo code HXP20% off. When that order totals $200 after the discount and before you include shipping, Houndsman XP is going to send you one of our new model hats included in that. It's a $35 value. We're going to throw a decal in there. That's another $5 value. So we're going to give you $40 worth of stuff for tuning in and helping us get to 1 million downloads. You can check that out on the new website coming very soon or you can go straight to dogsartree.com and check all of that out also check out freedom hunters freedom hunters taking america's heroes from field to field when that veteran comes back from active duty he's at a, coming home from deployment maybe he's um, uh, or she is is wanting to get back into hunting been discharged for a few years that's what freedom hunters does so check out Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org. Figure out how you can get involved today. A lot of houndsmen out there get feedback from them that have hosted a Freedom Hunters event. The biggest beneficiary for getting involved is you. You are going to feel patriotic and you are going to give back to the people who have sacrificed so much for our freedoms to hunt and free cast these hounds. Check them out at freedomhunters.org. Yeah, one of the things that uh, we used to do too, Caleb, is it doesn't matter whether you're shooting a wheel gun or a semi-auto, and I'll talk about the difference in those two, but the ball and dummy round, you have somebody else load your pistol yes. for you. Yes. You know, they put three live rounds and stick two dum three dummies in there yes. in random spots between two live rounds, and that's where you really figure out whether you're whether you've got the mechanics down and you're really a disciplined shooter because when that hammer falls and you're expecting the recoil like you said <laughs> yes. you're flinching yes and then and then with a semi-auto you know you might load two two live rounds stick an empty uh casing in there a couple more so now you've got a situation where you probably pre uh uh created a stoppage in that pistol and it makes you learn how to clear that pistol yes 
and uh, you're expecting the you're expecting it to work, and when the when the empty hits a stoppage and you don't see it and you're still trying to pull it through, man, you're you can be losing your losing your mind at that point. So uh, that's another good tip, man. Find somebody to shoot with yeah. that that once you understand the mechanics, you're doing good. You're putting papers on or, or rounds on target where you want them to hit. Your mechanics are good. Well, now let's let's get into some of the finer skills of that ball and dummy where we really figure it out. That's yeah. that's a good piece of advice. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes, sir. Yep. Um you know, there's several places out there that, that do great uh, firearms training and uh, mechanics of shooting. There's all kinds of stuff on YouTube. I guess to wrap this part up before I get into carry, or before we get into carry, I'm sorry, um, is um, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yes. Everybody wants to be, like you said, John Wick coming out of the gate. Yes. And and you just need to learn the mechanics of your, your, your firearm and and make sure that you're proficient there even if it's slow you will get faster as you get more familiar is that what you've seen oh definitely definitely and and and, and you know smooth and confident is better than fast and erratic because really when you're trying to go fast <laughs> accidents happen uh there's a term out there called glock leg for a reason and and glock yeah. leg is I'm trying to pull this gun so fast, I'm pulling on the trigger, not noticing I'm pulling the trigger because I'm going to get my finger on the trigger fast enough, and now I'm shooting myself in the leg. Um, there's a video out there. Uh, of the ATF agent. Yeah, yes, but the ATF agent. He's And I'm like, oh, my God, how, like, oh, man, it's in front of, you know. The, you, you should not be carrying this pistol unless you're properly trained. Yes. I, I, I just shot myself self in the leg. 100%. I can't, hundred yeah. percent. And, yeah. you know, uh, uh, there's a good video out as well on uh, Coley on the War does a video a few weeks ago with a lady from Team Glock. And um, they're, they're doing these speed drills. And he's, like, trying to go really, really fast. And she's laughing and everything like that. And she tells him at one point, she says, hey, slow down. You have plenty of time. Because, you know, you're trying to get it within, like, two points up to seconds or trying to get these four shots in within three seconds. And, and in your mind, you're thinking, oh, my God, three seconds. You know, the clock is mm -hmm. on me. Boom, 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 boom. You know, and she's like, you have plenty of time. It's a lot longer than what you think it is. And, and she shows it. And she is so fluent with it. She's shooting a Glock 35, which is a 40 Smith & Wesson. So, you know, there's still some, there's a nice little recoil in there. And, and she is just dominate him in this this competition where you know he's like i i gotta give it to her she she's slow at at this draw and it makes it look so easy and it's smooth and she's right on target and she's like cuz i'm taking my time don't mm -hmm. rush this thing you know in your mind you think five seconds is so fast and it's a lot of time and especially when we're talking about shooting a firearm so you got plenty of time in five seconds and so it's just teaching you how we process things and how we perceive it. You know, if we were to tell us you got three seconds to shoot these two targets, you're, you're, you're focused on the time as opposed to shooting accurately. Focus yeah, on what you're absolutely. supposed to be doing. You know, and you get better over time. And before you know, it becomes muscle memory and it becomes faster and faster and it becomes better and it becomes smooth. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's just like with anything. It's, it's like, with a with a motorcycle you know if you if you're on a motorcycle you have to get used to a completely different turning than you do in a vehicle you might be driving a vehicle for 10 years you get on a motorcycle you have to trust your eyes you have to trust where you're going your eyes will lead you where you need to be it's the same thing with a gun and your sight acquisition slip yep. where you're going put it where it's going 
and it's going to be okay. Trust everything, the work and way it's supposed to work. Because when you're thinking five seconds, five seconds to shoot, you're, you're already trying to get your finger on the trigger when you're pulling it from the holster. And then you'll be looking like the ATF agent, you know, where you got now it. you got to go get stitched up and explain this. And it's very embarrassing. Yeah. You know, no doubt. Yeah. We used to do those time drills where you'd have, uh, you'd have seven seconds to fire five rounds. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, law enforcement for those listeners that may have never seen it, you know, you line up on a line, everybody's online, you're shooting at a target and, uh, you got, you got 10 seconds to fire seven rounds, say, mm-hmm. you know, you get, you get guys pulling the gun out and you hear pow, 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 pow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's sprayed all over the target. Yep. And, and as you're standing there and you just shot your last round, you're looking, there's one, that one old guy standing down at the end. That's like, pow. Yep. Pow. Yep. <laughs> pow. Yep. And you walk over and he's all within time. You walk over there and he's, he's made one ragged hole yep. in the middle of the target. Yep. And he, you know, it's like, I would rather be proficient and good than fast and erratic. Just like yes. you said. Yes. You know? 100%. 100 yep. Yes, sir. So let's talk about, let's talk about carry placement real quick and holster placement. I alluded to it earlier. I, I want to start it off, start this part off with a story. Uh, for several years of my career, I carried a thumb brake holster on a gun belt and, um, I don't know when it was. I can't even know. I don't even know. It might have been about 15 years in. We went to a uh, double retention holster with a thumb brake and a hood. And um, they told us, they're like, man, they gave us that holster. And they said, go home. They gave us a whole rig, everything. New belt, new everything, mag pouches. And they said, go home and put in a 1,000 draws on that thing. And... Um, you know, you're like, you're like ah, a thousand draws. How that sounds about as much fun as sitting in the room for four days and dry firing. You know, uh, boring stuff. And so we, a lot of us, didn't do everything they told us to do. And uh, we went to a scenario training one day, and I'd been carrying this holster for a while after I'd been certified with it. And there was a scenario where a person pulls a gun. And this was all scenario based training. And now I can't get my holster out of the gun or my gun out of the holster because I was trying to thumb break it like I always was. I probably had fifteen to seventeen hundred draws out of that holster total. Um, call me slow, whatever, but uh man, it is so important to understand where your firearm is at, how to smoothly draw it, and then you can worry about the mechanics. A hundred percent. And that's where I say you need to carry and draw with what you're comfortable and competent with. Uh, you know, I see these guys do these drills and it looks so cool and I wish I could do it, but I can't. It's just not my thing where they're carrying appendix and they're sitting in their car and they, they pull it out so fast and they're ready to shoot and they got their gun out the window. And I'm like, oh, man, it looks so cool. It looks great on video. I mean, it's awesome. But mm-hmm. it, it, am I going to do that? No. Why aren't you going to do it, Caleb? You've been shooting now for 15 years now and gotten pretty decent at it and the reason why is because that's just not what i'm comfortable doing that's not what i am trained to do and therefore i'm going to continue to do what i do and master more so my craft and perfect it i uh for for one i'm not even skinny enough to do uh appendix carry i'm 6'8 290 plus so i'm not appendix carrying anyway now there's guys that love it and you know if that's what you love then do it so be it but 
Um, I, I, I am comfortable with a, what I call a, a four o'clock or a five o'clock hold where it's on the side of my hip on my dominant side, uh, tucked under my shirt and, and uh, concealed. And I'm, I'm comfortable with being able to take my least dominant hand, raise my shirt up enough where I can get my dominant hand on my, my firearm and draw quickly mm-hmm. and get on the sight picture that I need to get on. I'm confident in that. I'm very comfortable in that. But if you tell me, hey, you got to do appendix carry and do this. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to tell you right now, and I got to take my time with it. I got to practice over and over. Or if you tell me to carry it in a small part of my back, uh, that's, that's, uh, uh, we're, you're, te- you're taking one guy who speaks English and telling him, hey, learn German now. Like, <laughs> oh, it just, it just doesn't happen like that, you know? In, <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to it, learn everything in the English dictionary. You know, you want to go learn German? Like, no, that's just not, that's not exactly what I need to do. So, and it's the same way with firearms. If we understand that in the natural, we should be able to understand that in this application. Uh, and honestly, we carry, because we can't carry a law enforcement officer with us every single day everywhere we go. And God forbid we ever right. have to use this uh, in a self-defense manner. I pray that we never have to. But if we do, you have to be able to be uh, relaxed under pressure. you got to be able to be calm, and you got to be able to know what you're doing and when you're doing it. Uh, because sometimes it might be too late to say, uh-oh, or oops, or it looks cool. I thought it was going to be cool, but it didn't go down the way I thought it was going to go down, and then it's too late, and it becomes a very tragic situation. And we don't want tragedies ever to happen. Um, and so... That's why it's important. Carry where, where you're comfortable and practice, 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 and get a good holster. You know, I um, I, I, I kind of tease the guys that I work with sometimes. I, I'll leave my office, and uh, I had got this revolver, and I love this revolver. It's nickel-plated. It's beautiful. And I'm, like, all excited about this revolver. Well, I couldn't find a holster for it that I wanted. And I'm like, oh. So I had this cheap, like, I'm not going to name the name of the company, but they're, they're famous for having these cheap nylon holsters and i'm like i'm gonna put it in there and mess with the guys that work so i put it in there and i go in the back and i set the gun down i'm talking to them and one of the guys that's on the loading machine he says who brought a nylon holster in here and put a revolver in it? and i'm just like dying laughing and i'm like i'm glad yeah. that guys see that because if i was seriously carrying that you know the gun could fall out of a nylon holster it's not really retaining it well you can't really practice drawing out of that thing the things will come up out of the you know you pull the gun out trying to pull it out fast the holster's coming with it so get a good holster you know and people say man holsters are getting more and more expensive for kydex or leather especially but i tell you what uh, a good holster is just as important as having a good clean firearm ready to maintain i couldn't agree with that more i had a uh, a certain brand of holster save my life got in a fight the fight went to the ground the uh, bad guy was trying to get my gun out of the holster and he couldn't do it wow and uh uh yeah so and that that's as applicable in a hunting situation as anything if you cannot keep your gun in the right spot and this is what i wanted to get into on carry be consistent. It's as important as being familiar with your firearm. Your your hand is going to go to the place where you have carried that firearm the most. If you've done a thousand, two thousand draws from the hip, and then this weekend you decide, hey, I'm going to order a chest carry rig, and and you put that gun in there. If you walk into that bay up, you've got to save yourself. You've got to save somebody else, or you save one of your hounds. You're going to be searching for that firearm. Yes. You're going to be looking for it on your hip. You're yes. not going to the chest. Oh yeah, because you're. Your brain hadn't got there yet. Yes. So you want to you want a holster that can retain the firearm because if you can't keep it on you, it's not doing you any good. Not at all. Yeah. And and you want to you want to carry, find where you like to carry, 
and keep it there. Yeah. Some of our Western hunters, a lot of guys in, in Alaska where there's a lot of backpacks and things like that, that's where the chest rig is really nice. It doesn't interfere with backpack straps, still accessible. But uh, definitely. There's a, and I was going to say go real ahead. quick on that too. I have a buddy uh, that works out of Underwood Ammo. He's a loader as well. He produces ammunition. And I was talking to him about a hunting story. He went to Texas to go wild boar hunting. Now, this guy was in the mil former military. And he said in the military, he carried a chest rig. And when he lived out, when he was stationed in Virginia, he carried a chest rig. He carried a firearm on chest rig out there. So he's very mm -hmm. competent in chest rig and drawing from the chest and all that good fun stuff. And he loves chest rigs. He, that's all he talks about. And they go on this wild hog hunt. And he has a 45 long coat uh, will gun and he's shooting plus P loads. And so some of was really stout 45 long coat that he's shooting. And um, he, he shoots a hog with his rifle. Well, it didn't drop the hog. And now this boar is charging at him. And he says, man, he's and there's several guys. And at the first I thought, you know, maybe he's just doctoring this story up and it sounds good. But one of the other guys that works there was like, no, I can attest to it. He says, you know, he, he turns around, he pulls out of his chest rig, this, this 45 long coat. And he's already got the, the, the sight acquisition on the hog and he shoots and drops the hog right there. He's like, man, it was almost like a movie. And that spoke to being comfortable, being competent with what he carries and being able to draw under pressure and to be able to get his sight alignment where he needs to be and putting it on what he needs to put it on to neutralize the, the, the threat to his life, to be able to drop it, have that hog for hunting season and be able to tag it and move on and be able to talk about it another day without having good stitches or something maybe even worse. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Yo, so, yeah. Catching a big hook. Oh, yeah. yeah a big, big cutter in the <laughs> yes, it is. groin. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've covered that pretty well for the beginners. I think it's just a general discussion and and maybe um, you know a little bit of a word of advice there for for people that might be looking for that handgun. Uh, you know, to recap, Caleb, I think we talked about you stressed the fact of I think I think what you were saying was don't develop your handgun skills in something that's that's small and convenient get something that you're actually going to use yes full size full size handgun yes yes because the, the the longer the sight radius this is just general you know science is the longer the sight radius the more accurate usually you're going to be inherently starting out because you got a longer sight picture you could see it easier and see it better uh -huh. you know my and first sights, gun if i go out and buy a 38 snub nose as my first gun and I'm trying to shoot something at 10 yards that's a threat to me. Uh, I, I'm not feeling too comfortable in that. I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 Sight radius is the distance between your rear sight and your front yes, sight. Yes, definitely. And uh, the longer you make that, the, the more accurate you're going to be uh, until you get into some instinctive shooting stuff. That's when you want to go get that 38 snubbing. Yes. When, you, when you've got that sight picture, that muscle memory down. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about grip. We talked about... Uh, being familiar with your platform and a lot of practice, a lot of dry firing. And then we talked about carry and where to carry and how to carry anything we missed. I, I believe that was honestly it. Um, and just being able to practice, you know, practice dry firing, you know, yeah. That, don't, don't worry about wearing out a gun. I mean, if you're going to wear out a gun, uh, <laughs> you're going to be one in a few, that's for sure. So don't be worried about that. That's what they're here for. Use it, man. I'll tell you what, some of those, m16s and and boot camp you could you could just about rattle them apart yeah oh yeah learning assembly and disassembly on a on an m16 from boot camp or in the military 
is completely different than you don't need pliers to get the, no. the firing pin retaining pin out of that firearm. <laughs> and it makes it a lot easier to clean, doesn't it? <laughs> you bet. You bet. Yes, sir. <laughs> you can replace gas rings and bolts and different parts, but you're probably not going to wear it out. That, that's, exa that's exactly right. So. You know, back in the uh, before the military switched over to the M9s, if you ever watch old westerns or old military movies, they would take those old 1911s and they would shake them and hear a rattle, and that would let them know. Oh yeah, that would let them know they got a good piece of fine work right there for them, and they can, <laughs> they can use them all day long. So definitely, that rattle you want to hear. Yep, train, train, train. Yes, sir. Slow as smooth, smooth as fast. That's absolutely true. Thank you again, man, Caleb. Thanks for thanks for doing this podcast with us and. Uh, Hey, we'll talk again soon. Hey, it's my pleasure. Guest. Looking forward to next right. time. Thank you again. You bet. That's going to do it for this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We prefer his five-star rating there. And just take a second and write a line or two about why you enjoy Houndsman XP. Until next time, folks, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.